in Christ, we are a kingdom. In this kingdom are many villages, and each of these villages do things in their own way, but still pay allegiance to the same king. This ministry is all about bringing a stronger connection to this kingdom, Christ's kingdom. One family, one unit, one mighty force of salvation under God's providence. We are the Akinus. We thank you for joining us for our Sunday afternoon message. Mercy is a core component of God's love. But mercy should also be an essential component of our walk with Jesus. Let's join Pastor Steve as he shares this week's message on mercy, a mission of love. Let's just not continue the saga of technical difficulties and chaos here this afternoon by remembering to turn my microphone on. Anyway, good afternoon everyone. I'm Pastor Steve Hoffmeister and I'm the Senior Pastor and President of Diakonos Independent Ministries of Maryland. And I welcome you to, welcome you to our very complicated Sunday afternoon message broadcast today. Uh, this morning has just been absolutely chaotic. Our normal camera failed, which is why you're seeing this goofy, really glary camera off of my laptop that we're working off of here this afternoon. It decided to give us nothing but a black screen, and we were scratching our heads trying to figure it out, and it just we couldn't get it to work, so we had to get, get creative and use this one, so... Caused us to rearrange just about everything here this morning, and it's not as simple as unplugging one, plugging in another, because we had to go through and change all the slides for the new camera because it's a different resolution. Um, anyway, enough for the technical babble. Um, welcome to our broadcast. <laughs> I'm all out of order here today. Um, anyway, let's uh, go ahead and get started. Yep, see, here we go. See if I can fix this. There we go. Big stretch. Alright, so. Today's message is called Mercy, a Mission of Love. And I know you may have seen on Facebook or some of the other links it, it had the last message, but I tried to correct that as much as I could. That was something else. Slipped through the cracks. Anyway, what is Mercy. If you look at the Google Translate definition of mercy, it classifies mercy as a noun. It defines it as compassion or forgiveness shown towards someone who is within the power to punish or harm. Well, this definition is 
well-rounded from the English language perspective, but what we'll be discussing and defining today is God's mercy and the mercy that we should project as followers of Jesus Christ. But before we get into our explanation, let's open with some prayer. Heavenly Father, we thank you for bringing us together here in cyberspace yet again. And Father, we thank you for helping us to have the knowledge and the fortitude to overcome our technical barriers and spiritual warfares here this morning to get this broadcast started. Father, I pray that you will open our hearts and our minds and that you will guide me as I share your word on the topic of mercy. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. <clears throat> All right. So, notwithstanding our technical difficulties this morning, I have to open our discussion by telling you about the last two weeks leading up to this message. As you know, uh, we haven't broadcasted previous to this uh, uh, the first week. Um, my son Kyle and I, we took a vacation to go down to my uh, girlfriend. Yeah, I, I have a girlfriend. We'll, we'll talk about that another time. As you know, I am a divorced individual, have been for several years. I'm in Maryland. She's in Delaware. Long story. Anyway. <laughs> um... The last two weeks, the first week, um, my son suffered a medical issue with his eye, and we decided to take a week and go to her property at Delaware and lay low and give him a chance to relax and recover. And um, yeah, we did that, and then the following week, um, he was having a hard time. I was having a hard time dealing with the um, met all the doctor's appointments and him having a hard time with that. And my head just was not in the place to do the message. But now that I've varied off of my notes, let me read what I actually wrote. For the sake of this message being recorded I'm explaining this um we have we are in the midst of the Russian Ukrainian conflict in the year 2022 and I mentioned that year because people could be watching this several years down the road in addition my family dealing with Kyle's medical crisis that by God's grace didn't turn out as seriously as it could have um that's had my mind preoccupied on his situation and the events transpiring in the Ukraine. Now, the events transpiring in the Ukraine was bothering me because as I was trying to come up with the topic to preach about, my mind was constantly drawn to talk about war and conflict. And, but I didn't feel the draw. The normal draw that I feel in my heart and my mind that the Lord usually provides me when I'm coming up with a Sunday, a topic for the Sunday afternoon broadcast. I struggled with this. I prayed on this for several days. And finally, 
while sitting quietly here at my desk um, late one evening, the Lord dropped a topic of mercy in my lap like a piano in a cartoon. Okay, just dropped it right in there. Uh, you know, and I realized with that that the news channels, the internet media, they're all talking enough about war and conflict for enough for everyone. And what we need to know about right now are mercy and compassion. And this is what the Lord laid on my heart and what inspired today's message. <clears throat> so, without further headache, hurry up or mess up, we're going to go ahead and get started. Let's look. Uh, let's start off by looking at the Old Testament scriptures in Exodus thirty-four, chapter thirty-four, verse six, as we explore the topic of mercy. And it reads, The Lord passed in front of Moses, calling out, Yahweh, the Lord, the God of compassion and mercy. I am slow to anger and filled with unfailing love and faithfulness. Just as it reads, this scripture is God declaring to Moses in his in God's own voice, because in that time, God actually spoke to Moses. God actually spoke to others verbally. In God's own voice, that he is compassionate and a merciful God. We should not neglect to keep in our minds, though, that he also uses the words unfailing love and faithfulness mentioned in this scripture as we focus on mercy. When you look deep into the Greek and Hebrew etymology or origin of the word, if you're one of those who doesn't like big fancy words, um, you'll find that mercy intertwines with compassion. And for this week's message, we're going to look at them as one and the same. A common misunderstanding that I frequently encounter when talking to people is they are predisposed to a distorted image that God is harsh, detached, and vengeful. Yes, there were times in the Old Testament when God showed his anger and took drastic action as a result. But this anger God showed toward us resulted from disobedience. For example, you have the story of Noah and the ark, which most of us know this story. Instead, let's look at the destruction of Sodom and Gomorrah. This is a story found in Genesis, the beginning book of the Bible, where God destroyed two cities. God did not choose to destroy Sodom and Gomorrah easily, however. In Genesis chapter 18, God and Abraham talk about Sodom and Gomorrah and some death before God destroys these cities. I'll, I will paraphrase for the sake of time, but Abraham asks God, 
if he would destroy the righteous and the wicked within the cities or spare the city for the sake of those who are righteous. Abraham respectively questioned, or respectfully, I said respectively, it's respectfully, questions God what it would take to spare the cities from destruction. After several scriptures of Abraham trying to get trying to get an exact number of righteous people in the cities that it would take to spare it, Abraham stopped pushing around a number 10. In your own study of Genesis 18, you will come to find that there was but a minimal amount of people God considered righteous in these cities. These righteous were Lot's family and relatives. So, angels instructed Lot to gather his family and his relatives and flee Sodom and Gomorrah and not to look back. Specific, specifically emphasized not to look back. But Lot's wife did look back and she paid a great price for not listening to that command not to look back. She was basically turned into dust. Or a pillar of salt as my native scriptures say. God's angels wiped out those cities from the earth in a bright flash. I mean boom. And you've seen images of a nuclear war and a nuclear blast. This happened even faster. I mean just bam. Flash gone. Faster than a camera flash. God did not take harsh disciplinary action on his creation in stride. Of course, this is still true today. But God does not discipline or destroy his people for enjoyment and pleasure, but in the same, he does not tolerate blatant disobedience. The story of Noah and the story of Sodom and Gomorrah were actions God had taken against those who refused to obey God's laws. God does not strike without fairness. As we read in Nehemiah chapter 9, 25 through 27, which reads, Our ancestors captured fortified cities and fertile land. They took over houses full of good things, with cisterns, or wells, if you will, already dug, and vineyards, and olive groves, and fruit trees in abundance. So they ate until they were full, and grew fat, and enjoyed themselves in your blessings. But despite all this, they were disobedient, and rebelled against you. They turned their backs on your law. They killed your prophets who warned them to return to you, and they committed terrible blasphemies. So you handed them over to their enemies, who made them suffer. But in their time of trouble, they cried to you, and you heard them from heaven. 
In your great mercy, you sent them liberators. You rescued them from their enemies. As evidenced in these scriptures, God only allowed trouble to fall on his people when they disobeyed the commandments and committed blasphemy against God. However, God allowed for these hardships to be lessons and would come to the aid of those who saw their errors. This is because, as I said before, God does not find enjoyment in pleasure in punishing, or enjoyment and pleasure, in punishing his people. Where God finds his delight is in his mercy and his compassion to those he loves. Look again at the scriptures. We're going to look at Isaiah, chapter 60, verse 10. Yeah, yeah Isaiah, chapter 60, verse 10. Foreigners will come to rebuild your towns, and their kings will serve you. For though I have destroyed you in my anger, I will now have mercy on you through my grace. God restores and shows mercy on those he disciplines and, and who correct themselves. God enjoys showing mercy and compassion on us when we do what is right. Now here's another out of Isaiah. This is Isaiah chapter 63 verse 9. In all of their suffering, he also suffered. And he personally rescued them. In his love and mercy, he redeemed them. He lifted them up and carried them through all the years. The words, he also suffered, is a testament to God not getting enjoyment from his anger and discipline. The verse also speaks of him coming to his people's rescue with love and mercy. The end of the verse is also important. He lifted them up and carried them through all the years. This is important because this cycle of stumble and fall did not end here. This cycle, this cycle of continued relapse and rebellion against God will continue many times throughout the Old Testament. And each time God, even though allowing for the people to meet hardship and destruction, always allowed for them to make amends for their sins. Because only in their sin did they suffer these hardships. But God was there when they realized their need to correct their ways. In that, in that, in that time, he began, he, or, in that time he brings his mercy, picks them up, dusts them off, and sets them back on the right course. Kind of like a model train bouncing off the track, you know, okay, it hit, hit, hit a bump, it came off the track. Well, God reached down, said, okay, well, you realized you hit the bump, you realized what you had to do different, you realize you're not, you don't need to do it again, pick you up, put you right back on the track. 
let's read a few scriptures from the Psalms that have to do with that realization. And we're going to go here. We're going to read Psalms, not, or Psalms chapter 119, verse 77, and Psalm chapter 119, verses 156. Verse 77 reads, Surround me with your tender mercies so I may live, for your instructions are my delight. Okay, this one's talking about, you know, surround me with your mercy, because I realize I'm not going to get your mercy without following your instruction and your guidance. In verse 156, Lord, how great is your mercy. Let me be revived by following your regulations. So once again here, you know, we're in the Old Testament. The, realize the psalmist um, realizes that, that mercy is not going to come, once again, without following the instructions and the regulations that God has provided. So when we live by God's instructions, when we live by God's instructions following the biblically sound guidance of the prophets and teachers, then God is pleased and finds his enjoyment through this with his mercy. Oop, I'm trying to run away. All right, you know, apparently my, my slide got a little messed up here. Um, supposed to have a question at the top of the screen that says, Do we deserve mercy? Do we deserve mercy? And let's look at Daniel. Daniel chapter 9, verse 18. Oh my God, lean down and listen to me. Open your eyes and see our despair. See how your city, the city that bears your name, lies in ruins. We make this plea, not because we deserve help, but because of your mercy. None of us deserve God's mercy. Mercy is given, not earned. The prophets showed us how to honor God and how to gain his favor, as we read in Micah, the book of Micah, chapter 6, verse 8. Know, O people, the Lord has told you what is good, and this is what he requires of you, to do what is right, to love mercy, and to walk humbly with your God. Once again, you see that word mercy, to love mercy. All right, so it's, it's pretty cut and dry who deserves mercy. Nobody deserves it. It's not earnable. We are granted it by God's grace. So, who receives God's mercy? All right, we know what we got a handle, a handling now on what mercy is. We've got a handling on, what was the other question? Uh, yeah, I'm drawing a blank here. Bear with me, bear with me. 
What is mercy? Do we deserve mercy? Anyway, who receives God's mercy? And our answer, an answer, not, not answer, but an answer to this comes in Exodus. Let's jump back to Exodus and read chapter 33, 18, and 19. Moses responded, Then show me your glorious presence. The Lord replied, I will make all my goodness pass before you. God literally appeared to Moses. But Moses could not look directly at God. Moses had to be down in a between two rocks because his humanness could not handle looking directly at God. Okay, so we need to clarify that. I will make my goodness pass before you. And I will call out my name, Yahweh, before you. Yahweh being the name of God. For I will show mercy to anyone I choose. Once again, given, not earned. For I will show mercy to anyone I choose. And I will show compassion to anyone I choose. This is directly from God. Directly from God's mouth. These are the scriptures that precede the scripture that I opened with at the beginning of this message. And its position in this message is completely intentional because I believe it to be more important to present that none of us deserve God's mercy before we ever contemplate the fact that he gives us to uh, give it gives it to us by his choosing and not by any obligation. You also read in Isaiah chapter 14 verse 1 but the Lord will have mercy on the descendants, on the, wow. Let me start that over again. I hate tripping on scripture. But the Lord will have mercy on the descendants of Jacob. He will, my notes are cut off here. Okay, let me read it, read it from the slide here. One more time. But the Lord will have mercy on the descendants of Jacob. He will choose Israel as his special people once again. He will bring them back to settle once again in their own land. And people from many different nations will come and join them. They join them there and unite them with the people of Israel. You know, I, I hear people talk about that the Jewish culture, the Jews, are the only ones that are going to be saved by God in the end times. And that's not accurate. This scripture right here plainly says it. And people from many different nations 
will come and join them there and unite with the people of Israel. I don't know what's dinging and blinging, but nothing's supposed to be dinging and blinging right now. All right. Anyway, it is solely God's choice. Bless you, Kyle. Thank you. <laughs> Kyle's sitting off, off screen listening to me do my thing here. All right. It is solely God's choice and God's delight who he gives mercy. There is no mercy greater or more pl or a more plentiful mercy than that which God gives. As we read in Psalms 69, Psalms chapter 69, verse 16. Answer my prayers, O Lord, for your unfailing love is wonderful. Take care of me, for your mercy is so plentiful. There's no end to God's mercy. There, there's no bucket of mercy that God has that goes empty. Oh, so there's my slide. Who receives God's mercy? <laughs> it was in the wrong place. That's, that's kind of funny. All right. So, the list of Old Testament scriptures that mention mercy is numerous. I actually had to make a chart of all the scriptures for this message and categorize them based on these different questions. And I think there was over between the Old Testament and the New Testament, it was like 30-some scriptures that contained the word mercy or dealt with mercy. The list of Old Testament scriptures that mention mercy is numerous, and we have spent enough time today. We are we started late, and we're already running a lot later than I can't really care to. Um, there's there, we've talked enough about the Old Testament and mercy, and we've talked in depth now about God's mercy towards us. We are now going to shift over to the New Testament and talk about Jesus' teachings and examples of mercy. And for that, let's look at the last question we're exploring again, which was, Who receives God's mercy? Once again, we have a crossover <clears throat> to a previous message I preached when I talked about the Beatitudes in Matthew chapter 5 verse 7 which reads God blesses those who are merciful for they will be shown mercy God blesses those who are merciful for they will be shown mercy big one that's that's one you one to really keep in mind right now Jesus teaches here that God chooses to show mercy on those who show mercy or compassion to others. Mercy was a major topic in many of Jesus many of the teach many of the topics of teaching that Jesus gave. Not only because it is one of the attributes of God, 
which we'll discuss uh, in full another day in more detail in another message, or may possibly a series. I think we'll turn that one into a series, The Attributes of God. But because mercy is a cornerstone of Christian life. Let's look at the scripture in the New Testament where Jesus teaches about mercy, starting in Matthew chapter 9, verse 13. Matthew chapter 9, verse 13. Then he added, Now go and learn the meaning of this scripture. I want you to show mercy, not offer sacrifices. For I have come to not call those who think that they are righteous, but those who know they are sinners. This is a scripture I shared in the message, Paramedics of the Soul. In this scripture, Jesus teaches of mercy, and that mercy is of high importance. Jesus also points out that it is the person who acknowledges their sin and attends to it that are the ones that he wants to be the most merciful. Okay? Didn't we hear that before? We heard that back in the Old Testament scriptures that God will show mercy on those who realize they're sinners and work to correct their sin. Here it is Jesus teaching the same exact thing. Look now at Matthew chapter 18. Matthew chapter 18, verses 33 through 35. And this is from a parable that Jesus gave. Shouldn't you have mercy on your fellow servant, just as I had mercy on you? Then the angry king sent the man to prison to be tortured until he had paid his entire debt. That's what my heavenly Father will do to you if you refuse to forgive your brothers and sisters from your heart. Okay? Now, if you have hatred toward your brothers and sisters, your fellow human beings, your fellow Christians, whatever it may be, insert your own variable there, it says right here, God is going to punish, God is going to see God is not going to stop you from receiving hardships until which time you admit your sin, you stop um up on a word. You don't forgive your brothers and your sisters. You know, you don't forgive others, you don't hold grudges, you know, until you can give that up. God is not going to show you that mercy. The scripture teaches, scripture teaches that when we are shown mercy, we should pass it on. Pay it forward. In this parable that Jesus taught, a servant owed money to his master that he could not repay. The master released him of his debt until which time the master learned that his servant had sent another man to prison for not repaying the debt to him. This comes back around to Matthew 5, 7. 
God blesses those who are merciful. Just like the the master um, sending the servant to prison because he didn't show mercy on somebody else. That's how God works. If you realize your sin, you show mercy on others. You know, you combat your sin. You're merciful. You let go of your hard times. You let go of your grudges. You show mercy on others. God will show mercy upon you. Have you been noticing that there's a lot of cross-connection between scriptures and the messages I've been sharing? This doesn't happen by an intention by my intentional design. Okay? Put when I'm putting this stuff together, the scriptures speak for themselves. Because as I'm doing these, I don't always notice it when I am preparing them, but when I am um preaching them. I can sit here and I realize, you know what? I said the same thing two messages ago or three messages ago. Or, well, here's a scripture again. And it just boggles my mind. That's the magic of the Bible. It's the magic of God's scriptures. Okay. So let's look now at Matthew 23. Matthew chapter 23, verse 23. Which reads, What sorrow awaits you teachers of religious law and you Pharisees? Hypocrites. That's right. Jesus called them flat out, called them hypocrites. For you are careful to tithe even the tiniest income from your herb gardens, but you ignore the more important aspects of the law. Justice, mercy, and faith. Okay, say that again. Justice, mercy, and faith. You should tithe, yes, but do not neglect the more important things. Okay? Now, I mentioned the scripture and point out this line in particular, but you, but you ignore the more important aspects of the law. Justice, mercy, and faith. Scripture in this line, Jesus emphasizes the importance of mercy as an important thing. <laughs> Don's going to laugh at me. Don's going to laugh at me because I forgot to put the rest of my notes in my binder. That's right, I did it again. They weren't upside, this, upside down this time. They just didn't make it to the binder.
Uh-oh. I think I broke it. I think I broke it. Okay. I think we're back. I bumped the wrong button and I sent everything going nuts. Because the chaos of forgetting to take care of my... Like I said... Things have been crazy here, trying to get ready for this broadcast, so I beg your pardon with all the craziness going on here. Alright, so, where were we? So, what I said is, this scripture in particular, in this particular line, Jesus emphasized the importance of mercy as an important thing. Okay, bear with me because I want to make sure that you guys are still seeing me. Let's just take a second. No sense talking to the wind if the wind's not carrying it. <clears throat> I can't believe I just did that. Still broadcasting? One. Alright, it's saying that we're still online. Yeah, we're still online. That's a good thing. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Alright, so moving on. My apologies. My deepest apologies. So how did Jesus show mercy? There are numerous moments in the Bible that exemplify Jesus' mercy through example. For today's message, though, I'm going to talk about the two that I believe are the most poignant on this topic. Okay, first we're going to go to John chapter 8. John chapter 8, in which we got broken up into a couple pieces here. Jesus returned to the Mount of Olives, but early the next morning, he was back again at the temple. A crowd soon gathered, and he sat down and taught them. As he was speaking, the teachers of religious law and the Pharisees brought a woman who had been caught in the act of adultery. They put her in front of the crowd. Teacher, they said to Jesus. This woman was caught in the act of adultery. The law of Moses says to stone her. What do you say? They were trying to trap him into saying something they could use against him. But Jesus stooped down and wrote in the dust with his finger. Let's pause here for a moment. Because this is a big, big section of scripture. Let's pause here for a moment. The Pharisees, the Jewish religious leaders and the teachers, were constantly trying to, trying to trip Jesus up with the laws of Moses. Jesus never stumbled or became uneasy under this constant scrutiny. One can only speculate 
what it was that Jesus was writing in the dirt. Now, my personal opinion, emphasizing my personal opinion on this, okay, I like to think, and this, this is my opinion, that Jesus was writing the names of the Pharisees who came to challenge him with this matter. Continuing on, I'll explain further. Continuing our scripture, they kept demanding an answer. So he stood up again and said, All right, but let the one who has never sinned throw the first stone. Then he stooped down again and wrote in the dust. Continuing my opinion, when they continued to push the issue, it's my opinion that Jesus started writing each of the sins of each of the Pharisees under their names. Now, I know I'm going to catch some, probably catch some theological uh, argument on this, but you think about it, it kind of makes some sense, okay? Reading further, when the accusers heard this, they slipped away one by one, beginning with the oldest, until only Jesus was left in the middle of the crowd with the woman. Now let's imagine here. Imagine Jesus stooping down, writing your name in the dirt, and then listing your sins under your name in the dirt as you stand there demanding judgment on somebody else. Scripture reads, they slipped away one by one, beginning with the oldest. Can you imagine how long that list of sins for the oldest Pharisee had to have been? That he was the first one to bug out? The story of Jesus describes, this story of Jesus describes Matthew 5-7 very well. The Pharisees had no intention of showing mercy on the adulterous woman. And it's my belief that until that moment, they were going to stone her regardless of what Jesus said. Okay? So, Jesus showed them that they had no right to judge her so harshly. Because they refused to show mercy, Jesus didn't show them any mercy. Instead, he showed mercy on the woman, as we now read. Then Jesus stood up again and said to the woman, Where are your accusers? Didn't even one of them condemn you? No, Lord, she said. And Jesus said, Neither do I. Go and sin no more. The next story that we're going to share about Jesus' mercy is appropriate as we enter into the Easter season. And this story comes from Jesus' torturous execution on the cross. As we read in Luke chapter 23, verses 33 and 34. I'm trying to get through this as quickly as we can here, because I know we started late. 
and we've got a little bit more to go, but I want to make sure that we get this through because of the Easter season coming up. <clears throat> when they came to the place called the Skull, which is the hill where they were crucified, the place called the Skull, they nailed him to the cross, and the criminals were also crucified, one on his right, one on his left. And Jesus said, Jesus actually didn't say, he actually prayed, Father, forgive them, for they don't know what they are doing. And the soldiers gambled for his clothes by throwing dice. Or as like, um, the, the King James Version reads, casting lots. Um, anyway. Oops. There we go. Jesus, at this point, had already been beaten, spit on, and nailed to the cross. The crown of thorns on his head had been whipped and beaten and just a total bloody mess. And nailed to the cross, which has been stood up straight. As the cross behind me stood up straight. Okay, um, even after soldiers gambled for his possession, the possessions of Jesus is for, 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 one, two, three, four. Okay, excuse me. Even after soldiers gambled for possession of Jesus's clothing, hammered nails through his hands and mocked him during his pain, Jesus prays to God for their forgiveness and not his own rescue. Okay, he prayed for them. He prayed for the people who were crucifying him. He prayed for us that he was spilling the that ones that he was spilling his blood for. Is that not mercy at the greatest of levels? Let's be honest with ourselves here. How many of us, if put in that situation of being tortured, mocked? beaten, and left to, left to hang dying could be so merciful. Let's continue reading. I find a right one there. One of the criminals, and this is, we're continuing on in our, our Luke chapter 23, verses 33 through 34. <clears throat> One of the criminals hanging beside him scoffed. So you're the Messiah, are you? Prove it by saving yourself and us too while you're at it. But the other criminal protested. Don't you fear God even when you have been sentenced to die? We deserve to die for our crimes. But this man hasn't done anything wrong. Having read this so far, let's think back to our previous scriptures we have explored today. Specifically, Matthew, um, what was it? Yeah, Matthew 9, Matthew 9, chapter, or Matthew chapter 9, verse 13, pardon me. Then he added, 
Now go and learn the meaning of this scripture. I want you to show mercy, not offer sacrifices. For I have come to call not those who think they are righteous, but those who know they are sinners. Okay? Recapping this scripture, let's apply it to the criminal who just came to Jesus' defense. This man has been tortured, some would say less than Jesus, but hung on the cross in the same manner, yet he acknowledges that Jesus is an innocent man. Even more important, while doing so, he admits his sin and guilt by stating he deserves to die for his crimes. Do you see where I'm going here? The first criminal demands, even while hanging on the cross, for Jesus to prove his divinity, much like the Pharisees did. By doing this, there was no mercy. The second criminal, however, in the same position, <coughs> defends Jesus and admits his sin. So we read, continue to read, pardon me. Then he said, Jesus, remember me when you come into your kingdom. And Jesus replied, I assure you, today you will be with me in paradise. The second criminal, as it says in Matthew 5, 7, showed mercy on or showed mercy to Jesus and in turn Jesus showed him mercy by assuring him his place in paradise in our modern times we can easily overlook mercy in many situations but mercy is a fundamental component in the Christian life. Sure, in the past I've held grudges and I've wished ill intentions on people. And I'm sure many of you watching can say the same thing. We might even realize as we are talking about, about this just how much we still do it today you know during throughout the day you know I, I know you know I slip once in a while and I get a little grumpy in traffic when somebody cuts me off or you know whatnot you know I'm not perfect as I've always said I'm not perfect there's no holes in these hands I make my trips and my stumbles like anybody else but how much better would we be how much calmer of a life would we have if we focused on mercy instead of anger and bitterness? And this is one that hits home with me because I spent a good portion of, I would dare say, three some years of my life, two years, three years, anyway, it's immaterial, where I was nothing but a ball of grudge and hatred and bitterness after my divorce okay i i really held a grudge about that and it really had an impact on my on me an impact on my health an impact on my son 
Um, but Jesus freed me from that. Jesus took that burden off of me when I said, you know, Lord, I realize this is not what you want from me. And that was, that was um, probably about a year before I got the calling to return to ministry and found this ministry. Um, this is what Jesus asks of us. Like God, we can choose to show mercy on anyone we wish. They might not deserve it in, in some, some people's opinion. They might not reciprocate that mercy that we grant them. But in the same, we are asked to give mercy so that we may receive it from our Heavenly Father. This is what mercy is in the Christian life. Giving without focusing on receiving. So I challenge you. This week. Examine yourself throughout the week. Look for places where you could be more merciful. You might surprise yourself with the benefits and the blessings it will bring on you in the long run. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you. We thank you deeply for this gift of mercy. Father, we acknowledge that you are not obligated to give it to us. You're not pressured to give it to us. We can't earn it from you, but we thank you for you choosing us to receive your mercy. Father, I ask that you be with us all throughout the week, that you touch our hearts and show us where we can be more merciful and more compassionate. Father, I ask that you bless those who have been watching this today and those who will watch it in the future. Father, I thank you for your word and thank you for the glorious gift and sacrifices of your son, Jesus Christ. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. All right. So, go back to here. As I do with every message, it's a time that I invite you that if you realize that you need Jesus Christ in your life today, if you feel that call to ask Jesus into your life, into your heart, then I encourage you to pray with me this prayer of invitation. Asking Jesus Christ into your life. And we'll provide the words on the screen for you. You are more than welcome to say your own prayers. As a matter of fact, I highly encourage, highly encourage it. And um, that you thank Jesus for opening your heart. Ask him into your life. Share your struggles. Share your pain. Actually, list them. Just go through it. Lay it all there at Jesus' feet. You know, your struggles, your addictions, your anger, your bitterness, your lack of mercy, your all of that. Just lay it all out. Put it all out there on the table today to Jesus' feet and in your prayer. If you need help or just need someone to pray with you, then by all means, I encourage you to reach out to us. I'll share our contact information at the end of the the broadcast 
uh, by all means, we'd love to hear from you. We'd love to uh, take you on that walk and um, be there for you and help you through it. Uh, we'll be glad to pray with you. We'll be glad to pray with you about anything. Um, for those who want to follow along, say this prayer with me. If it ever gets up on the screen. <laughs> there we go. Glorious Heavenly Father, thank you for opening my heart. I pray you will come into sorry let's start over glorious heavenly father thank you for opening my heart i pray you will come into my life and be the guiding light i need to walk my journeys according to your will and the guidance of your word. Father, I ask that you forgive me of my sins, that I may start new with your grace. Amen. If you've said this prayer with an open and solemn heart, then I say, welcome my brother and welcome my sister to the family of God. I'd like to invite you to make a relationship with a local Christian church in your community. They should be all about Jesus Christ dying on the cross to save us of our sins and rising again to the glory of heaven. You sit at the right side of God. They should teach God's word according to the bible and there are many different christian churches around the world and we encourage you to pray for guidance as you search for one that makes you feel accepted and supported as i um said i would share our contact information or our postal address which is not a physical location, that is just a postal address, uh, 2945 Emerton Road, Unit 452, Abingdon, Maryland, 21009-9998. And our phone, fax, and email, by all means, uh, give us a call or drop us an email. You could also find us on Facebook at facebook.com forward slash MD. And we'd love to see you on Facebook. Um, moving on from that is don't forget if you're watching us on YouTube or whichever platform that you may be watching us through. Um, if you're watching through our website, then yeah, subscribing through YouTube would be your best bet. But if you're watching through Twitch or Twitter or one of those, then we encourage you to subscribe through those channels. But if you're on YouTube, make sure you click follow and you click that little notification bell. That'll let you know whenever we post another video or if we're streaming. I also want to let you know that uh, our my podcast, Quick Points with Pastor Steve, will be uh, beginning production again. It kind of got knocked off course with uh, 
COVID and so forth. So we're going to pick that back up on our new home on Spotify. And the benefit of why we're using Spotify is if you are a Spotify subscriber, Spotify subscribers um, in this podcast, I'm going to start including um, music, uh, contemporary Christian music and whatnot into there's podcast episodes. If you are a Spotify subscriber, you will be able to hear the full songs. If you're not a subscriber, you're only going to be able to hear about 10 seconds. So I encourage you, and you know, I don't make it, we don't make any money off of that. That's entirely, um, entirely paying for their service, but, um, you know, we encourage you to subscribe to Spotify so you can get the full impact of those episodes. But we'll be getting started. We have a few of our um, previous episodes already up on that platform at the link you see there on your screen. Uh, but we'll have more coming out here uh, hopefully soon. We're we're working on it. Um, so anyway, you go to that link, you'll be able to find our podcast, or my podcast, Quick Points with Pastor Steve. You also can get to that through our website at dimom.org and look for podcasts. If you would like to help support this ministry and help us to continue doing these broadcasts and continuing to grow both our ministry work on the ground and also here in the internet land, uh, you can donate to us at dimom.org forward slash donate. And there's various categories in there that you can choose to donate to if you want to donate to a specific um, function of our ministry or you can donate to our general operating budget um, you can do so there you'll be able to create an account and that account we don't um, sell or share that information that accounts there entirely for your security and your ability to go back and keep track of the donations that you make to us uh, we do use that information though if you choose if you choose to receive a newsletter or um, any other items such as that which you're more than welcome and capable to opt in or out of um so with all that aside oh I thank you for sticking with us today through all of the technical hubbub goof ups and me hitting the wrong buttons and I pray that the Lord blesses you this week. And I look forward to seeing you again next week. And with that, I will say God bless you. And God bless those that are important to you. I urge you to pray for our brothers and sisters in the Ukraine right now. Um, had some inside connection on... Um, Hearing about the atrocities and the struggles that our brothers and our brothers and sisters in Christ are facing over there right now, I attended a prayer vigil um, last week um, and listened to a pastor that's been going there for twenty, going there just about every year for the last twenty-five years, and he's just hearing absolutely horrible things coming out of that country that just there's no excuse for. But um, anyway, keep them in your prayers. With that, I will say have a blessed week. I'm Pastor Steve Huffmeister, um, and I bid you a good day.